from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Football at four. Here on The Drive with Tim Donnelly on 99.9 The Fan. And, uh, well, this the story in football has to be Justin Herbert breaking the darn bank. Mm-hmm. But the thing the Panthers should pay attention to is how unsurprising and how quickly it moved from the biggest breaking news to background noise in the NFL. How routine it was that Justin Herbert just got paid five years, $262.5 million. It's a lot of money. Here's, here's, here's what I mean by that. Uh, at, I checked at 223 this afternoon, so it was before the show. ESPN.com's homepage had nine headlines on like their top headlines little section. Nine headlines. None of them were about Herbert. Hmm. It had been less than 24 hours from when news broke of Justin Herbert signing a $262.5 million deal, which was the largest in per year money, 52.5 million in NFL history. The deal includes a no trade clause. Comes with $133.7 million in fully guaranteed cash and $193.7 million in injury guarantees. And in 24 hours, it went from above the fold, huge breaking news headline to not even in the top nine headlines on ESPN.com. Do you know what some of them were? Some Sebastian Ajo's contract was Sebastian up there for Ajo's a bit. Sebastian contract may still be up there. It's actually uh, not. I just checked. One was Bills head coach Sean McDermott says the team in a good place with Stefan Diggs. That is an update on a non-update. That was bigger news than, hey, like 17 hours ago, Justin Herbert signed the biggest contract in NFL history. There was another one about FIBA, which is international basketball. U18, which is players 18 years old and mm-hmm. under, hoops teams, agree to keep playing amid viral outbreak. I don't think most sports fans knew a FIBA U18 hoops tournament was even taking place, but the fact that they are going to not shut it down was a bigger news story than Justin Herbert signing for $262.5 million less than a day before. And do you know why it wasn't a shock? Do you know why it wasn't big surprise? Do you know why it wasn't? Uh, the the earth-shattering news that it may have been once upon a time. And do you know why the Panthers should be paying attention even more? Because everybody knew it was going to happen. Because the Chargers were planning for this. Because the Chargers were hoping they would have to pay him that much. Because Jalen Hurts already got the money, and this quarterback already got the money, and that quarterback already got the money. So you knew Herbert was going to get the money. If things go as planned for the Panthers, they are on a three-year clock until they have to give Bryce Young $300 million for five years. Yeah. It'll be that by then Mm -hmm. with the rate of, of quarterback contracts going up. The clock has started, and that's if things go as you plan, right? If they go awesome, right, if they go unbelievable, then guess what? You're going to be giving him like the equivalent of what the Mahomes contract was a couple of years ago. 12 years, half a billion dollars, right? You're going to be giving him Shohei or Trout money because 
because that means he's won an MVP and gotten you a or or two a Super Bowl. That's your pipe dream. That's your fantasy. And that's a good thing. That would be a great thing. That means Bryce Young's playing well. If he's just playing above average starting quarterback, you better earmark $300 million for him three years from now. Justin Herbert, for my money, isn't even the best quarterback in his draft class. To me, that's Joe Burrow. Yeah. So so the, he's a number two in his own draft class, $262.5 million. That's the going rate for a guy who you want to be your starting quarterback, and it's obvious. And if, if you drafted Bryce Young as the number one overall pick, we talked about it earlier, he's going to be the starter week one, confirmed by, by Frank, Frank Reich earlier today. Guess what? You are planning to make him your starting quarterback for the next 10 or 15 years. And, and if you just want that possibility, you're going to have to have your team set up in a way that can survive that. Every decision that they make in terms of contracts over the next three years, is ha you have to have that in mind. A hundred percent. Right now, you want to front load your contracts. Yeah. Right. The interesting part is actually over the next couple years, Herbert's uh, uh, cap number comes down mm -hmm. because signing bonuses and all. He gets a hundred million cash in year one, <laughs> uh, which <laughs> I wish I. I know it'll probably come in over a couple different payments. I wish. I wish I just like. I wish I could just film his video, like uh, uh, get a video of his face when he updates the mobile banking app. Yeah. When he just does the little swipe down refresh and there's a deposit of like $40 million or whatever it is. And, and you go from, you know, I'm not saying he's not super rich now, but he's super rich after that hits. Uh, but because of that, right, because it's going to lower their cap hit for the next couple of years, mm -hmm. you want to front load contracts to everybody else. Right, you want to front load contracts to to Derwin James, Abosa, right? You want to front load contracts to the guys who you uh, Rashawn Slater. You want to front load contracts for them because that way their cap hits later on when Justin Herbert's balloons up uh, won't be so high that you you are in trouble. And the Panthers, the earlier they start planning for those sorts of things, much 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 better. Right. The earlier you just get a plan for, OK, this guy's contract is going to come up and we're going to have to do this. That guy's contract is going to come up and we're going to have to do this. Plan as if Bryce Young is your franchise. Right. Because if he's not, it's much easier to pivot that way than it is to say, I don't know, we'll figure it out if and when he makes the Pro Bowl or if and when he uh, throws for this many yards or this many touchdowns, then we'll figure out how we're going to pay everybody around him. No, no, no. Start planning now, right? The Bengals are doing it with Burrow, I guarantee you. They better have been, right? They're going to have Jamar Chase coming with his hand out pretty soon. They're going to have T. Higgins coming with his hand out pretty soon. Yeah. Or he might already be coming with his hand out because he's eligible for an extension. Like, like all of those things are going to happen. And then your quarterback, as the focal point, is going to get paid a boatload, and you're going to have to maneuver around his contract. And by the way, just to – this is one of my pet peeves – uh, Tom Brady didn't actually take that much less to build around, right? Uh, over the length of his career, he made more per year than guys like uh, Drew Brees, yeah. who, who was seen as greedy and always took the money. Uh, but the reason I say that is the one thing Brady was always willing to do was restructure to lower cap hits when they needed them. Now, 
lowering the cap hit this year may have bumped up his cap hit the next year. But if you had somebody else who you needed to take care of this year and you needed to, to give them the cash or, or bump up their cap hit, boom, you lower Brady's. I don't know how you lower $52.5 billion a year on a contract, but uh, the creativity that you're going to have to have with the, the roster around it is going to have to be impressive. And on top of that, it's much easier if you plan three years in advance. Yes. So do it now, Panthers. It, do it now. It's crazy to think about when you mentioned that he's going to get $100 million bucks this year cash. And Sebastian Ajo just signed a $78 million contract over the next eight years. Yes. And Justin Herbert's getting $100 million right now. Don't let me. Uh, first of all, yes. <laughs> it's just wild. Wild. To think about. And Sebastian Ajo's career earnings at the end will be about $128, $129 yeah, at the end of this eight-year contract. Uh, and Herbert's going to get $100 million cash this year. Uh, but but don't even get me started on on what Lionel Messi is getting to run rough shot over the MLS. Oh, he's getting a cut of the Apple TV <laughs> deal. He's getting, he like, uh, Adidas soccer was, like, kicking things in. So, uh, yeah, money in sports doesn't always make sense. And also, and also, per year, Justin Herbert is 10 Sa or five Saquons, which will make running backs happy everywhere. Austin Eckler is the guy that led the, the Zoom for running backs mm -hmm. to get together to talk about, hey, how can we make more money? Austin Eckler is going to share a backfield this year with Justin Herbert, who's going to be getting 10 Saquons worth of cash this year alone. $100 million, Saquon's making 10. Eckler is going to have to, like, I don't know. They're going to have to have a, uh, a come-together moment between him and Herbert. Maybe Herbert's going to have to... I don't know, take him on a nice vacation or something to, to apologize for getting all the money that they're not giving to running backs. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. Continuing live from ACC kickoff here in Charlotte. And uh, let's just get into Hit It and Quit It, one of our favorite segments of the week every Wednesday right about this time. Uh, and we'll start by, by uh, hitting this. Sam Howell has the whole world on his shoulders. Yeah. And it's actually kind of messed up what, uh, what his coach, Ron Rivera, is doing to him. Now, NFL camps are kicking off all over the country, mm -hmm. which means uh, media availability is also kicking off all over the country. And, uh, well, Ron Rivera had this interaction. Uh, he was asked, what is the broad question mark uh, uh, with the team going into the season? Like, what's the big what if? What's the big question you want answered? And, uh, well, here it is. Ron, it seems like every training camp you have, like, a broad question mark with this football team. I believe last year was – is this football team mature enough to take that next step? What is kind of your broad question this year with this group? Well, I think more so than anything else is, is, is it's going to obviously start with the quarterback position. I mean, that's about as big a question, broad a question as it gets. Is, you know, uh, has Sam grown and developed enough to, to, to help us take the next step? 
Uh, is Jacoby ready to go and compete? And, and if he gets that chance, will he take us up to the next level? So again, it is a big, broad question, but it does start with that position, and that that really probably. Right, I seen. There it is. Has Sam grown and developed enough? Yeah. That's the big question for this team. <laughs> I, that is so outlandish of a move by Ron Rivera. Most first-time starters, even if they're the number one overall pick, their coach is doing absolutely everything they can to take things off of their plate. Yeah. Right? It's, oh, we need to, to be great around him. We, we need to do everything we can to support him. We need that all the... Blah, 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 blah. No, not here. Our whole season? Oh, yeah, it comes down to how well Sam plays. What? And I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but you just heard it. It kind of was that, right? Uh, big questions. Um, well, yeah, we do have a number two overall defensive end that's coming off injury, and we hope he's going to play well, but that's nothing compared to oh, yeah. fifth-round pick quarterback with one career start uh, play well enough to win. Yeah, yeah, can yeah. Chase Young, who had a down year and all that kind of stuff, didn't even give him his fifth-year option. Didn't even do that for him. We have a, a first-round wide receiver on the roster that needs to step up and be a number two. That needs to be healthy. We have a tight end <laughs> who had one really, really good year, and and he's coming back off injury. We have uh, a running back room that consists of a guy that was seriously hurt last year and another guy that came back from being shot in an attempted burglary. We just released one of our starting offensive linemen from last just year as well. One of our starting offensive linemen. But no, it all comes down to Sam Howell. Yeah. And by the way, Sam Howell could legitimately be here in Charlotte with us. Yeah. Sam Howell, I mean, obviously the triangle knows him from his time at, at North Carolina. With a COVID extra year, which he sh should have had available yeah, he, to him, mm -hmm, he would have. Uh, this could have been his upcoming senior year with the Tar Heels. And with fifth and, year, in which case he could have been here, like you know, sitting down to chat with us. Instead, Ron Rivera is like, "Hey, entire NFL franchise, right? We got new owners. We have all this crazy stuff going on. This entire season comes down to you, Bucko. Good luck. Yeah, have fun out there. By the way, if Sam Howell was here." Fun. It's, it, it's a fun what if came to play one oh, of those of course. little sliding doors. Where's Drake May? Alabama? Who knows? I don't know. There's Howell seems old. I want to be clear about this, right? So it, it feels like Ron Rivera is putting a lot on a veteran, but I think it's just because Sam Howell like entered our awareness so young. I, re I remember vividly learning that he flipped from Florida State commitment to Mac Brown in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. That's how far back we go. So it feels like, oh, yeah, Rivera can put some extra stuff on his shoulders. He's he's a veteran. He can handle it. He could have been here at ACC Media Day walking around with, like, a sophomore representing some other school. You know yeah. what I mean? It, that, that's how young this guy is. Just because he started one game in week 18 last year doesn't mean he's – Kirk Cousins or somebody that's been around for 10 years. Yeah, it's not like he's year three as a starter. Yes. And was a first-round pick. It's 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 unfair what Ron Rivera is doing there. Yeah. Because it's setting up a guy who shouldn't be asked to do more than his job to be the disappointment if he doesn't do everyone's job. Well, to Sam Howell's credit, though, he feels pretty confident. To, to Sam Howell's credit, he does feel pretty confident. Matter of fact, he thinks he has total command of the offense right here. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I, at this point I have total command of the offense. Um, you know, I think I, I've made a lot of – I studied a lot this summer um, and trying to get really comfortable with the system, um, obviously because it's new, um, and just tying my feet into the concepts that we're running. Um, and I feel like I've, I've made a lot of progress in that area. Um, so I'm excited to be here in camp and to have all the guys together and get an opportunity to prove that. First of all, love the confidence. Yeah. Right, love the confidence. And he should be in his playbook a ton, and I'm sure he was in his playbook a ton. I feel like this is one of those things you say, and then 10 years later, you recognize how wrong you, like you you truly believe it. I'm not saying he's lying, but it's like, uh, you know, when you're 22, 23, and you absolutely know something, and then you're 32, and you look back and you go, oh, I didn't know, Yeah. right? So I didn't Whoops. know how well I could know a playbook until you're in the same playbook for eight years or something like that, right? So, uh, I'm not sure he knows the playbook in total command, but I have full confidence in him to run an offense and to, to be up there making sight adjustments and things. It's just, you know, you see a guy like Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams, they don't even have to look at each other just by like their body postures or talking to each other. And you realize, oh, they know total command of an offense. Uh, and, and, and we'll see where it goes. Let's quit that, let's hit this. I hit it so good. Coming up tonight, Tim, nine o'clock. You can watch it over on Fox 50. USA Netherlands 2019 World Cup Championship rematch tonight, Tim. I don't know about you. I'm stoked for tonight's game. You win today. You, you've won your group. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you can play all the, the reserves against Portugal later on this week. That's totally fine. But this, this is going to be a fun one today. It's going to be fun for, for a bunch of reasons. Now, I don't follow Netherlands women's national team as, as closely as, as maybe some. But I do know that Crystal Dunn, uh, right? Alex Morgan, mm -hmm. Megan Rapino, uh, Julie Ertz are all still on the roster, and they were they were big time players during the last World Cup. But there's also a lot of new faces, a lot of youngins, right? It's it reminds me a bit of like the the uh, like the Patriots dynasty, right? Yeah. Where, where they say uh, the Patriots won six Super Bowls, and you recognize like the only two people involved in the first three and the last three were like. Brady and Belichick mm -hmm. and, and it's it's going like oh it's a rematch of the World Cup final from the last World Cup and then you look and you're like well wait a second Trinity Rodman wasn't there Mallory Pugh wasn't on the, the like the, the, the. so many of these United States women's national team players are kind of like trying to the, the Netherlands are going to want to get us back yeah essentially. exactly and and a whole bunch of these United States women's national team was not there, right? It's like, no, 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 no. You want to go get so-and-so back. <laughs> they retired. You you want to go get this other player back. This other, you don't want to get us, but you got to raise your intensity to match theirs, even even if you weren't a part of, of the previous editions of the rivalry. I mean, great point, because Emily Fox, who plays for the NC Courage, who's, who started in that first game against Vietnam, she was 19 years old yeah, exactly. when that when she was that, probably watching at home. She probably was. So, but they probably also understand the ramifications of yep. it as well because they watched that game. And also, a lot of these players were part of the U.S. Women's National Team system, you know, yep. even way back then. So, yeah, Dunn, Rapino, Rose Lavelle, Ertz, Alex Morgan, these players that you mentioned, would be like, yo, they're gunning for us. Exactly, they're and coming for <laughs> us. And and I what I really like about any game like this when it comes to pool play in any World Cup or just an early season game if you're looking at, at, at like a, a season-long sport. I like the one where you get like 
I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. I love regular season games that get playoff-like atmospheres because you you see what you need to work on in playoff-like atmospheres. Mm -hmm. I love pool play games that get knockout round atmospheres because if there is, a, you know, a leak in the boat anywhere, you want to find it before a loss sends you home. You know yeah. what I mean? So uh, against the Netherlands, even if you win, you might go like, ooh, but, you know, this didn't go well. Oh, we messed up on whatever, you know. Our defense didn't play well, whatever it is, and you make your adjustments. And and so I think this one's going to be intense, right? I think this yeah. one's going to feel like a knockout stage game, even though you mentioned if you win, you win your group. If you lose, you're not out of it. You know what I mean? You, yeah. You, so so there's a bit of a safety net here, despite the fact that it's going to be intense. Even if you have a draw, you're still in a good position because you can still beat Portugal and, and you'll be all good to go. But yeah, a win today will we'll lock them in going into the, the next stage. Which, by the way, mentioned Emily Fox. Mm -hmm. of the North Carolina Courage. Uh, Casey Murphy, the goaltender for the Courage, is the backup goalkeeper yep. uh, for the U.S. Women's National Team. I don't know if you saw this. When they played the Washington Spirit this past weekend, they set some NWSL records. And this is all competitions, just regular season and postseason. Fastest to four goals, five goals, and six goals. They scored six goals in the first 22, 23 minutes of the game on Saturday, by the way. I, I love that being a record. Fastest to six goals? Yeah. It's like it feels like just scoring six goals is pretty darn impressive. It's extremely and, impressive. And, and then you throw in, oh, fast, like you're out there doing it for speed. Yeah, it's it's like, uh, you know, when people say like, hey, I run, I ran a marathon last week, right? I'm always like, hey, great job, super impressed. And then you find out like, hey, I ran it in uh, three under three hours. It's like, oh my gosh, you are wildly impressive. You kind of have that extra like punch. Boom, roundhouse. Yeah. That's kind of that. It's like, hey, we scored six goals. Whoa, no way. That's great. Hey, we're the fastest to ever do it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So uh credit to the credit to the courage. I'm I'm gonna do my best not to make every time we talk about the courage, just word plans and go like took a lot of courage to yes, score that, 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 that many goals. I'm do my best not to do that every time we talk about the courage. Uh let's quit that. Let's hit this. How you doing? The largest contract in NBA history was agreed upon recently. And it's not LeBron. No. It's, it's not Jokic coming off, you know, three seasons where he had back-to-back -back MVPs no. and, and an NBA championship. It's not Steph Curry who uh, has maybe the, the greatest following right now and he's a good golfer. Yeah. It's not Giannis. It is Jalen Brown. <laughs> Five years, 304 million dollar contract extension for Jalen Brown. He's not even the best player on his team. Confidently, <laughs> you can say that. Yes, that's, that's not, Jason Tatum. That's not like, well, maybe he could. No, he is not the best player on his team. And it's one of those so obvious things that I think even he would be like, no, it's, it's Tatum. Uh, $304 million. And it's, it's a flaw in the NBA's process of how they yeah. issue contracts is that so much of it is situational. So much of it is the years that you're picked to be an all-NBA team based on the years when your contract is up. Are you eligible for the Supermax? Do you have enough years of, of service registered in, in the NBA? It is a flaw because Jalen Tatum is a very, very good basketball player. Jalen Tatum deserves Jalen Tatum. So, jeez, Jalen. See, I can't even get over the fact 
My brain is telling me that if someone is making $304 million over five years, it should be Tatum. It should be. It doesn't want me to even finish the phrase Jalen Brown. That probably happens to them all the time, though. Uh, Jason Brown. No. Uh, Jalen Brown. Okay? He's a very good player. Right? Based on professional sports, he deserves to have life-changing money. Right? He does not deserve to be the highest paid player in the NBA. No. He does not deserve to be the highest paid player in NBA history. That doesn't equate to me. The league has to get to a point where the best players are being rewarded the best contracts, not the ones who just happen to luck into the timing and the the qualifiers of it all. But with that being said, uh, Jalen Brown, Want to let me hold a couple hundred bucks? You got it to spare, right? Yeah. 304 million over five years. You won't even miss it. You won't even know it's gone. It's a lot of money. And Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum, is going to be come, coming with his handout pretty darn soon. And uh, he'll get whatever his max contract is also. And they'll have eight or $900 million tied up in two guys. <laughs> Not that much, but it feels that way. Uh, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Tell them to bring me my money. Yeah! We're here at ACC kickoff mm-hmm. uh, for for kind of the unveiling of all that is new in the ACC football world uh, this year. And and one of those things was introduced by Alberto Riveron, who is the ACC supervisor of football officials as of November. He took the job in November. So this is his first ACC kickoff. Yesterday, he spoke to the media about Uh, New rules in the NCAA, changes he expects to see coming to ACC football and NCAA football. One of the things he said, according to a tweet from our guy, uh, uh, Murph Turf. Oh, yeah. Good old Brian Murphy. Which I I love his Twitter name. Uh, Murph's Turf. Uh, Replay is here to catch an egregious error. It's not here to fix every single play. Replay should not be a deterrent for the flow of the game. That's from Riveron. He also suggested that if an official hasn't seen enough to overturn the call after three replays, the game should move on. There is no time limit or replay limit in the rules. Now, Dennis and I were talking off air. I know you are in favor of faster games. Yes, college football games take way too long overall. The flow is an issue, and I'll agree with it. It's a massive issue. I think there's two ways to fix the replay problem. And the the problem is... uh, that the game stops it comes to a screeching halt yes while a referee jogs off to the side and then four minutes later players feel like they have to warm up again and get stretched out again because they, mm-hmm. they haven't they haven't been on the field in a while right quarterbacks are playing catch on the sideline because they they want to keep their arm loose while the the ref goes over and deals with it there's two ways to deal with the problem one is what riveron is, is requesting which is hey man if it's close let the play roll and run right i think the better way to solve it is to find a way to get to the most correct possible call faster right you can either say hey it doesn't matter if it's perfect we're only here to get the obvious if the play's wrong but it's only wrong by a little it's going to take you too long to figure it out just get back out there and play i always want the right call as a competitor i always want the right call Mm mm-hmm find a way to get the right call faster that's my thing right every time i watch tennis i get jealous right because tennis 
oh, that one was in. You throw the little finger up in the air. You go, no, it was out. They go to the, the eye in the sky. Somehow they have a 3D rendering. It looks like a cartoon. It looks like a bad video game. The ball goes down. They show the little shadow on the ground, yeah. whether it was in or out. The whole thing takes 15 seconds, and nobody argues, and everybody just goes back to playing. And I get jealous because they know down to, like, the millimeter whether it was a good call or a bad call, right? And it did not take all day. Now, I am completely aware that football is a much more complicated game than was it in or out on a tennis court. But football has a lot more money than tennis, right? Go get the the go get whatever the technology that you need mm-hmm. to do that exact thing and and make it fast. That's my thing, right? Focus your energy on getting the right call faster rather than getting the right call or the wrong call as long as it's fast. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. You blew it! Uh, let's real quick. Major League Baseball. Hmm. Rob Manfred, their commissioner, extended through 2029 to be the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Uh, that kind of stinks for Major League Baseball fans because it doesn't seem like he actually likes baseball, which is kind of interesting because he's a commissioner of Major League Baseball. You want to know the, the winners? Roger Goodell? Yeah, because it's like, hey, at least I'm not that guy. I mean, Roger Goodell does a lot of wrong things. And we'll trust me when he does them, we'll call him out here on this program on the drive. But uh, I do get the feeling that he at least enjoys football. Like he at least, you know, if he wasn't the commissioner, would still most Sundays catch part of a game. Yeah. Uh, Manfred doesn't give me that vibe. No, I don't think he watches baseball. No, I don't think he does either. I think he's the, the CEO that shows up at board meetings and goes, so. What's going on in the the business? Yeah. Like, what's happening here? Well, I will say this, though. You're talking about speeding things up, right? Mm -hmm. Because Major League Baseball with the pitch clock and things that they do now to speed up the game, games are shorter. But guess what's been a result of that? Attendance has been higher and ratings overall with regional sports networks and national has increased. So people, more people are attending games and more people are watching games as well. So speeding up the game, that is something that he that has happened under his watch. that credit? Well, it's oh, it happened, happened under, under his, his watch. It's happened under his watch. That's how we judge commissioners. So. so, yes, it's happened under his watch. So, I will say Major League Baseball has benefited. Should or go has back to the better. well? But he's here till 2029. By 2029, will games be like 45 minutes? <laughs> he's, you know what? Two outs. Two outs. Yeah. Fa- stri- fouls on strike two. You're out. You're like, done. Start with a 1-1 one, one count. The first thing I ever did that people liked was I shortened games. So uh, so let's just let's go back to the well. Go, go Savannah Bananas rule. Yeah, there we go. The Savannah Bananas. So for those who don't know, they actually were at Durham Bulls Athletic Park recently. <laughs> so they actually they put a time limit on oh, the yeah, game. The whole like, game. Two they, hours. Two hours. But they also throw in fun rules. For example, if you had a fly ball or foul ball into the stands Fans and a fan catch. catches it, you're out. Exactly. You, <laughs> you know? You Put hit, that rule in. You can hit a walk off. Now I haven't. I wasn't at the Bulls. I was. I was handling a move. But uh, uh, there's like weird. You can hit a walk off in like every inning. I, I saw Shane Victorino hit a walk off, and and everybody got really excited. And then it was like, you know, that was a walk off in the fourth fourth inning or the sixth inning, and they came back to play the the seventh uh, right after that. It's uh, it's a really weird situation. Um, all right, let's. Uh, that was a mini one, but let's go ahead and uh, quit that and hit this. Bruh. <laughs> you know, let's jump to Pat Narduzzi. Yeah. Pat Narduzzi made some comments today. Uh, Pitt's head coach. So we're here at ACC kickoff. He's talking to the media. Uh, he's, he's in the big room talking to, to everybody, right? Everybody has a chance to, to address it. And he said this. Uh, Pat Narduzzi says there should be a lid 
like a like a lid on a, a cap. A cap. On NIL deals. Hmm. Like a salary cap. So schools with huge alumni bases don't have an advantage over smaller schools. Huh. This might be now now big event like this. We're at ACC kickoff here in Charlotte, right? 14 teams. All the coaches are here. The commissioner talks. Uh, three players from each team. You can do the math on that one. Yeah. There's a lot of people here doing a lot of talking. Analysts, media personalities. You're not going to agree with everything said. Sure. I think I most disagree with that from Matt, Pat Narduzzi. Yeah. That's my Likewise. That's my biggest disagreement. Pitt, and, and if he wants to, I don't even know if he was defending his own school. But smaller schools have been at a disadvantage to the rich schools for a long time. I'm I'm very curious as to why he's now calling for a lid only when the money hits the players' pockets, mm -hmm. right? Because the smaller schools are at a disadvantage with recruiting budgets. They can't handle the private jet payments, right? Uh, they can't uh, pay to have the, uh, the the full rooms dedicated just to making social media posts and graphics. They can't have the recruiting staff budget, uh, facilities in, in general, right? The rich schools, they have bigger weight rooms. They have better weight rooms. They have bigger locker rooms. They have better locker rooms. They have bigger study halls. They have better study halls. The, bigger they, stadiums. The coaches, the rich schools, they pay their coaches more. Not just head coaches. They pay their assistants more. Their assistant coaching salaries are more. The discrepancy and disadvantage that smaller, less rich schools, less rich programs have dealt with has gone on for a very, very long time. Now, suddenly, there's a discrepancy, but the players are getting the money, and Pat Narduzzi wants to put a lid on it. Why wasn't there a lid on coaching salaries? Because the smaller schools were at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Why wasn't there a, a lid on recruiting budgets? Because the smaller schools were at a disadvantage. Why is there only a lid once the players are getting the money? I don't like any of that. No. I want players to make as much as they possibly can the same way coaches make as much as they possibly can. And I don't want somebody who can't afford the players to complain, just like I don't want the ones that couldn't afford coaches wouldn't complain. Right? Uh, there's there's talk of, I mean, on lists, although I think it's less likely based on comments we heard today, Mike Elko in Northwestern, Dave Clawson in Northwestern. Guess what? That's because the Big Ten's can afford to pay coaches more money. Why isn't Narduzzi uh, saying, wait a second, no, Northwestern can offer them more. Let's put a cap on how much anyone can offer coaches. Yeah, let's let's put a cap on total for your staff. It's because Pat Narduzzi is hoping to one day benefit from the fact that there isn't a cap on coaches at rich schools. He might want to be one of those coaches at rich schools one day. He might want to have a giant recruiting budget at a rich school one day. You know what Pat Narduzzi never will be ever again? Hmm. A player. No. So limit how much they can make. Sure. And then all the dollars that you would have been given to players, give to me instead, says Pat Narduzzi, indirectly. I don't like any of that. And welcome back into The Drive with Tim Donnelly here on 99.9 The Fan. Joining us here at ACC kickoff in Charlotte now, Jared Burst, Florida State defensive end. Uh, Jared, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, but I want to go a little bit back in, in time for you a little bit. Uh, 6 4, 250, show up in Florida State, lead them in sacks, top of draft boards. How did you end up at Albany coming out of high school? What, what did everybody else miss? Uh, the weight I was 200 pounds coming out of high school. I was real small, real little, 
anything like that. But I, I always knew I was gonna make it to something at this level. So I never had any doubt. My family never had any doubt. It was just had to get there, put in the work to get here. So, so do you feel almost like you've you've achieved some kind of superpower now? Like, two hundred is is like large for a human, but not in college football. Two fifty three, six forty. Like, what's the difference? I go. I saw the other day a picture of myself back like when I was like two hundred pounds, and I was like, that looks like a completely different human. I'm like, like I clearly feel like a whole different person. I'm like, oh yeah, like you said, kind of like a superpower. I'm like. This is kind of cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 now, obviously, on on one of the biggest stages, we're here at ACC kickoff. You're getting ready to enter into a season with with a lot of expectation for both yourself and and for your team. Uh, we'll go team first. Uh, every year under Coach Norvell in, in in Tallahassee, the the winning's gotten a little bit more, and the expectations have rose a little bit more. What's the next step to to build off a ten win season a season ago? Honestly, just being our best. If we come out and do what we're able to do, we give our best. We give our strengths. We work on our weaknesses. We'll be fine. We're talking with Jared Verse, Florida State defensive end. And then individually, right, last year, you know, at least at the beginning of the year, on the scouting report, you're the transfer from Albany. Now on the scouting report, if, if you're getting ready to play against Florida State's defense, you're Jared Verse, the NFL prospect, and, and, and all these sorts of things. Are you prepared for the double teams and all the attention coming your way? I want, to, I want the attention to come my way. Give me the double teams. Give me the chips. Bring everybody you can at me. Because when you do that, the rest of my D-line is getting one-on-ones, and you do not want that to happen. And people are going to learn that very quickly. Do not give the rest of the D-line one-on-ones. Because once they learn that, then I'm going to get my one-on-ones. <laughs> like, you can't do that either. So we're going to see a lot of Max Pro this year. Uh, all right. So, so uh, name some other guys that are going to have some big seasons that maybe we're not expecting. Braden, Braden Fisk, the guy, he just came. Uh, he just transferred in from Western Michigan. He is going to have a great season. Pat Payton, defensive rookie of the year, is going to have a great season. Fabo, Fabian Levitt, coming back off injury, is going to have a great season. Josh Farmer, great season. We got Gilbert Edmond, who uh-huh. just came from South Carolina, great season. I could, like, I could name our whole two, three deep, and everyone's going to be great. Like, we are deep here. The, the interesting part is a season ago, and you have, uh, I mean, the same game this year, right? You're starting Florida, Florida State this time in Orlando. Last year was in New Orleans, but uh, that was kind of our introduction to you, right? Got to the quarterback a couple times, and, and it, it was a – like a welcome moment. What do you have in store for LSU this year? I'm going to bring everything I have. Like last year, that was me kind of getting acclimated to it. Now I'm used to it. I'm a lot stronger than I was last year. I'm faster than I was last year. I got a lot more moves in my arsenal. I'm a whole different player. If you ask me, I'm a lot better of a player. Okay, so so you have a lot more moves. We're talking with Jared Verse, Florida State defensive end, one of the top edge rushers on, on most draft boards coming up after or going into this next draft. Uh, let's say LSU game, tied late, hot in Florida, right down there in Orlando. Uh, and and it's they have the ball, third and 17. What's the go-to rush move? Go-to rush move, depending on who I'm on, what kind of moves been working on them. My, my go-to is bull rush. I like to run down your chest. But if they've been feeding off that the whole game, I'm going to run down the middle, flash my hands. The second they lean forward, block arm over. If they've been going for the speed the whole day, I'm going to do a little up and under call, a little game with my inside guy. We got so many moves we can just do out there, everybody. I ain't too worried. Jared first, Florida State <laughs> defensive end. Uh, I mean, this is the question, everybody. There's a few schools where it gets asked about a ton. A few of them are, are going to be uh, here at ACC kickoff. Three years unranked for Florida State. Last year, you finished the season 13th. Is, uh, is Florida State back? I'll say this. Because last year after the LSU game, I said Florida State is back. And I'm going to say this, we are on the right path to being back. When we're back is when we're number one. We have our championships and everything handled. That's why I'll say Florida State is back. But right now, we are on the right path to getting there. 
So, so if you're on the path to getting back, and I like the way you worded that because it's a little safe, but also you're saying <laughs> what you want to say. Uh, well, why Florida State? When, when you're at Albany, right? You're your CAA, all this. You're the rookie of the year. That and, and 14 sacks in the CAA is is, is no joke. Uh, Florida State wasn't back at that point in time, and and yet you bought in. What was it about the program? What was it about Coach Norvell? One thing was I came here and everybody seemed bought in. Like I didn't get to meet too many of the guys on my official visit. But the guys that did me, I met Jermaine Johnson. You know, he ended up going being a first round pick. I got to meet him, and I'm like, hey, like, how, why'd you come here? He's like, man, I just loved it. But like, he told me what he liked, what he didn't like. I remember Coach Novell, and he didn't promise me anything. He didn't promise me a position, starting spot, none of that. I knew I was going to work my way and try to get it, but he never promised me anything. I'm like, okay, I can work for somebody like this. And then the way he spoke to me, the way he spoke to my mom, one thing I love about Coach Novell is he's weird with the eye contact, like, he never looks away. And I love that so much because that really shows you giving your full attention to somebody. And I'm like, all right, I can, I can work like this. I can work under someone like this. For, for everybody on radio, while he was answering that question, we just had a little staring hey, contest. Hey. We, we, <laughs> when you you got to lock in when you're talking like that. Uh, last one here. I mean, it's, it's ACC kickoff. It's actually getting louder as we're speaking here. Everybody's uh, get, getting, getting fired up. Uh, a lot of that has to do with quarterbacks. Uh, how good is Jordan Travis really, right? When you're up against him in, in, in practice, when you're up against him in, in spring and everything, how good is he really? He's one of the few quarterbacks I've ever played where I have to go to technique. Usually I just rely on, like, my physical abilities. With him, I have to, like, <laughs> I like the honesty down. there. Um, I'm not going to lie. He, he got me the one day. He, like, stopped. I stopped. He jumped inside. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got him. I jumped inside. He spun out. And then I, the whole offense ran on the field. The defense was like, oh, my God. It was, it was embarrassing. <laughs> that, that's what happens when you you're, you get a little hype, and then you, then you get got. This is what goes on. Uh, Jerry, we appreciate you for stopping by. Good luck this season, and, and, and good luck in your career. And thank you for having me here. Thank you for everything today. Cool. Once again, Jared Verse, Florida State defensive end, joining us here at ACC kickoff in Charlotte. Uh, I have to admit, I'm not sure if it would – like Jared said that, that Coach Norvell locks eye contact and doesn't leave. I think that would make me more uncomfortable than, yeah. like, want to play for him, right? Yeah. If, if it's you're at a recruiting trip and the coach is just like, hey, look into my eyes. Uh-huh. Are you trying to hypnotize me to come here, coach? Just tell me tell me like what my role in the defense is going to be. Tell me, I don't know, uh, how you're going to help me become a, a better player. How, <laughs> yes. <laughs> coach, you haven't blinked in a while. Let's, uh, let's figure this out. Uh, but ser- like on a more serious note, when you look at the ACC, and we've talked about this ring involving North Carolina uh-huh. uh, because – they were so near the at the bottom of the league when it comes to reaching the quarterback and getting them on the ground. They were they were dead last in sacks in, in, in the ACC. When you look at the ACC and you have uh, versus teammate Jordan Travis, you have a couple guys in the triangle and Riley Leonard and Drake May and Brandon Armstrong and, and Garrett Schrader. And you have all of these very, very, very talented quarterbacks. Uh, an edge that can get home is worth his weight in gold. Yeah. Right. And and having a, an edge rusher that those quarterbacks are even thinking like I can't hold on. And right. Because there's going to be moments where these veteran quarterbacks know someone's going to come open deep if I just can hold it one more second. And when a guy like verse is on on the, the field, they might think, man, he's going to come open in one more second. But I don't have that kind of time. Let me get it to my check down. So it doesn't even have to be a sack that could turn a play that might be a 60 yard touchdown into a six yard check down. And, and those plays, you know, they won't show up in the stats, but they affect the game. And every team wants to have an edge like that. And, and that goes for, you know, the teams that 
we cover in the triangle and, and, and wake. And that goes for, it seemed like Florida state as well. And it seems like they have a good one in, uh, in Jared verse who was 200 pounds coming out of high school, giving, yeah. giving, uh, hope to skinny kids everywhere that you two might turn into a six foot four, 253 pound yeah. monster of an NFL future defensive end. Yeah. Top, uh, top 10 pick probably. Yeah. Oh, that's there. That's still in your cards. Maybe. He complimented me on my beard too, which made me feel good. And and you reciprocated the compliment. I did. So a couple couple of strong beard guys. I I'm sitting here with a little bit of a beard. Nobody nobody decided to throw one my way. I just watched them you call that compliment each other. Yeah, exactly. See? <laughs> exactly. Uh, on that note, 